Hello, and welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at New York University. I am tonight's co-host, Kimberly Andy, a junior from Jakarta, Indonesia, studying media, culture, and communications in Steinhardt, and an RA in Coral. And I'm Tom Ellett, the other co-host, and I serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Kimberly, welcome to the podcast. It's nice to have you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Tell me a little bit about the MCC degree. What are you hoping to do with it long term? I hope that with my MCC degree, I can explore different pathways. Right now, what I'm looking to do in the future um, has to do with the field of hospitality and leisure marketing. So right now, what I'm doing with MCC and NYU is just figuring out what my interests are and just having fun learning different topics here. That's great. Uh, everyone should be enjoying their work in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about Coral. What, anything that surprised you about being an RA this year? I think what surprised me is how happy you can get just from seeing your residents being happy. I thought that being an RA just means that you have to keep on enforcing policy, that you have to be the person who protects and also sort of keep your residents safe. But I also realized that there is a fun to being an RA, that you can also build relationships with your residents, with your teammates, and I didn't realize that being an RA could be so fun. That's great. Uh, Any fun programs or social engagements you've had with your residents to date? In Coral, we have this tradition where we have a weekly breakfast table. And so I am in charge. That's my collateral. I hold a breakfast table every Tuesday to give breakfast to residents when they're walking out to class. And I love it because I've been doing it since last semester. So there are like familiar faces and they always come by and approach me and they ask me how I'm doing and I ask them how school. But then there are also new faces that don't realize that this is a thing, you know, that they didn't know Cafe Con Coral was this weekly thing. So whenever they come by, they're always surprised and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy that, you know, there's breakfast here. I didn't know. This is such an amazing little surprise. So that brings me a lot of joy knowing that I can give, you know, just a tiny bit of happiness yeah. to residents when they just walk out the door, even if it's just like a 10 second interaction. That's awesome. And it can be hard building community and upper class students and they're so busy. So yeah. that kind of time interaction is Im- is important to use. Yeah, it's very important. Mm-hmm. Well, tonight we have a really good guest. Who is it? Yes. So today our guest is Joanna Champion, who served as an RA in Hayden from 2005 to 2007. John Kozlowskos was her CDE for both years and her first year, Chris Stipek was her ACDE. Then her second year was Katrina Lee. So after she graduated, she became the ACDE in 26th Street, Ucord, or it was formerly known as Uptown, from 2007 to 2009. Then she moved to Founders as the RHAD. She currently has a Bachelor of Arts from Tisch in 2007 and an MA from Steinhardt in 2010. So hi, Joanna. Thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be here. How are you? I'm good. It's a real pleasure having you on, and I'm so glad that we're having this conversation right now. Joanna, you had a chance to be a student here twice. Why don't we start with the post-RA experience uh, and what made you stay at NYU to go on to work full-time? Yeah. So as I was graduating, 
you know, I had had a lot of professional staff ask if I was, you know, interested in applying and interviewing for what was then called an uh, ACDE position. And um, I wasn't sure. Uh, I, I went back and forth on it a lot. And my boss at the time, uh, John Kozlowskis, said, worry about it when you get an offer, Joanna. So I said that was wise. And I applied. And I had had such a positive experience with the department as an RA myself and really felt like it was a great next step to be able to continue to grow in the res life, what was then res ed department. And um and keep going. And, you know, it worked out well because I was able to get my master's there while I was working full time and just sort of, yeah, transition to that next step of, of being a professional instead of a student. Um, it was really great. Excellent. So I'd like to ask you if you were involved in any extracurricular activities while you were an RA and if that sort of impacted your responsibilities as, as an RA or vice versa, maybe your responsibilities in those extracurricular activities, maybe some clubs or some organizations on campus? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was on program board, which did a number of activities and events on campus. I was the chair of their film committee. I'm not sure if they still do those Monday night Cantor Film Center movies, but I sort of ran that little committee for a couple of years. Um, and it, it did it it impacted my RA experience in so much as it was just a lot of time management and juggling a lot of different responsibilities at once. But it was a lot of fun, so I didn't want to give either up, obviously. But it did definitely made me uh, learn how to stick to a schedule and get my ducks in a row, as it were. So a lot of fun. What made you want to apply to be an RA back in the day? I think it was that... I had had a really positive experience with my RAs as a freshman in Weinstein. Shout out to Weinstein. Um, I We had two RAs, Anna and Bridget, who were just really great. And it felt really important because I think NYU is such a unique school. It's such a unique place. I mean, it was so much fun, but I think it can be a really hard place to transition, you know, from high school, from your parents' house for, as the... 17, 18 year old. So it was so important to me to have those great RAs. And then I had a not not bad RA as a sophomore, but just a lot less present. Um, and so that year I was kind of like, I, you know, I could do this and I would want to be the the great kind. I would want to be the kind who is around and and really be able to be there for for students who um are coming to the, mm-hmm. one of the biggest cities in the world for the first time as as a student and, you know, wanting to help them through that transition. So I knew I wanted to be a freshman already, too. Excellent. I definitely get that. I, I have to fly all the way to New York to attend college. Um, and I definitely get the whole, you know, yeah. I want to create an impact, especially as an international student. I'd love to create an impact on international students, making them feel more welcome in NYU, especially because it's not a campus campus. So it will be kind of difficult for them to make friends. But tell me, so what was it like to work on a staff at NYU, specifically a freshman um, residence hall staff? It was so much fun. It was like probably the most fun time of my life. It was, oh, I had such a blast there. I definitely think it 
there are challenges and rewards. You know, I think it's in a freshman hall, it was a lot easier to get students to show up to stuff and they were really eager to seek you out and um, and trusted you and, and sort of trusted your expertise and um, were, I think, perhaps participated, you know, at, at higher levels just because they obviously NYU students are so accomplished, right? And they're coming from high school, having been in 10 clubs and like 14 extracurriculars and three sports. So they're like, so many of them were so game to to join all of that stuff. And I had heard both from my peers who were at upperclassmen halls and myself, you know, right when I started as an ACDE, I was at Uptown, which I, I think is no more, right? We gave it back to it the... It is no more. Yeah. <laughs> we, we did. Um, we did. But it was a lot of um, upper class and transfer students. So they were just, I think, looking for a little bit of a different experience from their RAs and their and, and staff. So I know that that could be a little difficult. I will say on the flip side of, um, you know, that, that positivity, I think we as freshman RAs perhaps ran into some crazier situations. A lot of students come to New York and come to NYU and come to college ready to push some boundaries and get crazy. And there were a lot of hospital visits, a lot of um, crazy parties and and, uh, late night duty phone calls or pagers. That's how old I am. My first year it was a pager still. and uh yeah so I, I think you know there are a lot of challenges and rewards on both ends but i loved being on a staff i mean some of my best friends today were were my fellow staff members so it was so much fun it is certainly a memory to have for yourself being an ra as we've heard over the podcast maybe you can talk a little bit about what was happening on campus back in the day when you were an ra in hayden hall Back in the day, on campus, uh, I think the biggest things, well, my my class, I believe, was the last to graduate in Washington Square Park. Um, and, yes, you know, because and I remember there being a lot of controversy from community members, not in NYU, about moving the fountain. It was a big to do uh, that was happening. And maybe was it either my sophomore or junior year? There were um, a lot of the adjunct faculty striking was happening. So the the strike rat was at Bobes for quite a long time and people were holding classes off campus. I remember that was kind of a bigger issue. We also, Chick-fil-A came in right when I was um, an undergrad to Upstein. I'm not, I'm not even sure if it's still there, but still it's there still so there. i remember but new 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 ingredients oh, uh, and new options yeah we have a new menu there. oh wow it's pretty it's been a long time yeah. but um <laughs> that was new and there was something about coke versus pepsi on campus and why nyu students were very political i remember that they remain yeah. they, they still are but, they still yeah, are but. that's amazing yeah. i'd like to know what sort of skills did you gain in the role being an RA, being an ACDE, and then moving to founders as an RHAD. So what were the skills that you gained from each position? How were they transferable? And I was wondering if any of those skills were transferable to your current position or your current job. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think one of the biggest skills from all through all, you know, definitely from RA up to being an RHAD is just being able to chat with people and and kind of even even for a minute kind of get to know someone 
it, that is such a huge skill because I think, you know, I, I, I guess I'll just speak for myself, but I, you know, every year I had a, a, at least a handful of residents who just weren't that interested in, in me or my presence and uh, kind of wanted to do their own thing, which was fine. But I still always wanted to make it clear that I was there if they needed me. And when I passed them in the hallway, Hey, how are you doing? How, how's that class you were, had mentioned to me? Um, and I'm an introvert. So the, that, you know, that stuff doesn't necessarily come naturally, but it was really a skill that I honed in on as an RA and a pro staffer. And it, I can't tell you how often I have to use it, you know, in your professional career, once you're out in, you know, non-res life world, you're not going to get along or love every coworker you have. You're not going to, you're not, you're going to be in some awkward situations with people and just being able to kind of say, Hey, how are you? Like, Oh, I saw you presented on something last week. That sounded really interesting. So being able to just kind of carry on a conversation sounds really simple, but I think it's not a skill that everybody has um, as a, as a working adult. And I think as an RA, I definitely learned how to, plan and execute something anything you know for me obviously it was programs at the time but um and it, it kind of got as a uh, on a larger scale when i was a pro staffer things that were building wide things that were campus wide um that is a really valuable valuable skill just to be able to think through something from a to z and think here's what i want to happen how do i make that happen what do i need to make that happen who do i need to ask for favors or help to make that happen. Um, again, I think you'd be shocked at how many people in, you know, the corporate world or where I work or I'm sure other professional positions don't know how to like plan someone's wedding shower in the break room, you know, things that are like sound really simple, but they just, you know, never quite <laughs> got those skills. So simple things like that are really crucial and especially on a budget you know um in my world we're always working under a budget and being able to know how much roughly something will cost or if you're going over budget how to cut back on things like that very like practical skills i think um i definitely picked up over the over the years and above all i think staying calm in a crazy situation which is one of the most important things as you know an ra and a pro staffer and it happens you know it's not the same types of situations for sure when you're in uh your career and work life but you know scary things come up crazy things come up and just being able to kind of take a step back and say okay what do i need to do what can i do who do I need to get in touch with to help me figure this out? So Yeah, that's honestly an amazing skill to have. I know um, as an introvert myself that sometimes just making those conversations is very difficult for me. So I'd like to transition to your current work. How did you go into the TV slash researcher field? Like you said, this field is one that you know you got to be very outgoing you have to be very on time it's kind of fast paced especially with your like budget constraints and all these planning and executions and that you have to stay calm which are definitely skills that as an RA you need so what sort of made you interested to go into this field and how did you transition from working in higher education into working into the field and the industry of entertainment I had known, you know, kind of long term that this is where I wanted to end up. Um, I loved Res Life so much. I loved being a pro staffer, um, but I, I knew that 
kind of my long game career would probably be something in the entertainment industry. And that was honestly just from a lifelong passion. I mean, that's a large part of why I had gone to NYU. My undergrad was in cinema studies, which had a lot of a big TV component from Tish. And then my master's was in visual culture from the communications umbrella under Steinhardt. So I, I knew that was kind of the direction I wanted to go to. And I was so happy to be working um, in res life while I got that degree. Um, uh, you know, the transition was really interesting. Um, it's a very different world. It's a very different type of environment, not in a bad way, but just it's a very fast paced. I mean, I, you do feel kind of the corporate difference. Uh, I, I remember as a pro staffer, when things would come up at NYU, potential changes to our department, potential changes to the curriculum, things like that. There would be a committee formed. There would, you know, your opinion was asked and and you could give input. And I would say it, it's very different um, in my current environment. You know, I work for one of the biggest companies in the world and they you know they, from some if something comes from the top down they aren't necessarily interested how everyone feels about it which is not better or worse just um very different and getting into that world definitely was a um a little bit of a uh not shock but definitely a, oh okay this is this is a very different environment but it's also a lot of fun and I had known that I wanted to be working somewhere touching the entertainment industry. I had been obsessed with pop culture for pretty much my entire life. So getting to work in it was, was really the end game for me. So talk a little bit about what you do day to day in the entertainment field. Sure. So my particular job, I work in what's called primary research for um, USA and Sci-Fi Network, which are under the NBC Universal umbrella. We are what we like to call the voice of the consumer. So we do essentially a lot of what we do is like market research, but it only for our company. So we do pilot testing for both networks. We do a lot of focus groups on the, you know, our marketing. Uh, if our marketing team has three or four different uh, what's called key art options, which is like a poster you would see on the subway or, or on a bus in New York. They have three or four different options that they're trying to decide between where the team who tests those. So we like market tests um, various items and we test promos, you know, ads that will go on TV. We gather audience reactions to the originals that we have on air um, on both networks. So if a season uh, Mr. Robot is ending. We do a really comprehensive study on people's reactions to that season. Yeah, it's it's day to day always something a little bit different, but those are the type of general projects that we work on. So lots of lots of project management, lots of analysis is our day to day work. That's honestly amazing, and it sounds a bit intense, but that just. <laughs> gives so much more respect and like kudos to you. I heard that you were sort of a TV whiz or and you still are a TV, TV whiz, you know, with, you know, a lot of like fun facts and trivia about TV and like the history of different yeah. shows on the <laughs> network. So I wanted yeah. to ask um, what trends do you see happening in TV today? What differences were there back then and now? Um, regarding, you know, consumption, um, regarding online entertainment. And 
I guess from there, uh-huh. what advice do you have for anyone looking to go and work in the field of entertainment? I mean, in terms of trends, I think it's no surprise to hear like how much streaming has changed the game. The Netflixes, the Hulu, oh, yeah. the Amazons of the world, Netflix in particular, you know, my people much smarter and much higher than me at work are asking themselves every day, you know, how how what can we do to continue to stay relevant and and um, continue to get eyeballs on our content with this type of competition in the works you know my particular usa and sci-fi are both cable networks so it's you know 30 20 30 years ago cable was kind of the the new kid in town disrupting the broadcast networks abc nbc cbs and now it's kind of like moved past that okay we're you know we're the more old school now like how can we refresh ourselves to stay in the game and what kinds of tactics can we implement to you know keep people watching tv that's that's kind of the end that's everybody's goal everyone wants eyeballs on them and i think as someone for someone looking to get into the business especially you know your age who's an undergrad right now or maybe just out of college i would say your youth is actually one of the most valuable things that you have going for you you have such a, a connection to what your peers are doing right now what you're doing right now and any any expertise you can throw out in an interview about what you know even the crazy suggestion the craziest suggestions of what you think hey you know i my peers are doing x y and z I think a great way to take advantage of that would be to do A, B, and C for the network, you know, really relying on your expertise of, of your age to bring to the industry. Because like I said, the people who are making a lot of the decisions, don't get me wrong, they are brilliant. They are very smart. They've been doing this a long time and they know how to do it. But they're not 21, they're not 22. And those are the people they're trying to attract to keep TV, to get TV. So I would say really, you know, sit and think about, okay, you know, I'm, I'm interested in this world. I'm, I'm in this age group. I'm what they want to be watching. How could they get me to watch? I think that's a hugely valuable asset for people who are coming into the industry right now whether it's you know to a streaming network uh, out in LA most are based in LA uh, the corporate head at least um, or you know one of the networks that's based here for sure Joanna what makes a show or a series successful is it the characters is it the stories is it the timeliness of the particular topic all of the above I mean you've you've seen series and you've studied series of TV and movies for years right I mean you were the yeah. quiz ball person here didn't want this life when everyone pick you on the yeah. team when they wanted uh, pop culture yeah. is there a secret sauce I mean you you're watching them what what is it yeah oh well I think if I knew I would be much more successful. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Thank you. Um, that, you know, it's, it's, that's an, such a good age old question. I would say broadly something new and different or something that feels new and different at least has a lot of potential to kind of be a breakout. And what I mean by that is that if you think about some of the shows that have been really successful over the last you know 10 20 years 
I'm thinking of like Lost, right? On ABC. That was a, you know, a huge phenomenon. Kimberly's mm-hmm. like, I don't know what that was. I was four years old. Um, <laughs> um, but it was a, people used to have like viewing parties and get together and watch it. It was the, the topic of everyone's conversation. And it was so different. It was so huge in terms of like scope and scale and, and budget, frankly. And it was this massive hit. And then if you look at uh, some of the TV launches over the next few years, maybe starting like two years later, you'll see all these shows that lasted like one, maybe two seasons that were basically like mini versions of Lost. Like everyone tries to copy something that's really successful. So I feel, and it's, it's often not, the copies are not as successful. And, you know, similar to like, this is us on NBC a few years ago um, became really huge. And then like a couple years later, you see all these other touchy feely family, emotional stories coming out on TV. So being original and getting in that, you know, finding what they call like the white space in, in a um, genre or a tone is really key. Um, Speaking personally, uh, from our experience at USA, we were, you know, we were part of the team that tested Mr. Robot. And I remember testing that pilot and everyone just saying, like, I've never seen anything like this before. Whether you've seen it or not, it's it's, it, it's like such a different show than, than really anything we had come across. And I would say that is, is a huge factor in a TV show's success is just being kind of shaking up the game like shaking you know because you can have a big star and fail you can have a big name behind you and fail Spielberg shows have failed um you know other other huge production names but just kind of figuring out something that will get people talking the buzz is what it's all about getting people to talk about you and feel like if they haven't watched your show they are left out that's the biggest goal I am a huge fan of Mr. Robot, so when you said that, my eyes just sort of like she did. Up. They actually did. Like, Whoa! She was, she was, <laughs> she was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what would you say was a proudest moment in your career to date, or a project that you were so proud to be on? Was it Mr. Robot? <laughs> yeah, I'm like I just gave my own answer away. That was just you know we get a lot of shows and pilots across our desk a lot of them are great but it was so rare to have one that felt so different and so incredible and everything from the conception to the star you know Rami Malek just won an Oscar um he you know it was so special and we immediately all felt it even people who were like this isn't even my style of show but I love it and I can't wait to see the next episode um, that was great. Another show I will plug that is available on Amazon Instant Video. I get no royalties or the, from this or anything, but um, I was also on the team when we tested a show called Playing House, which was a sitcom written and created by two women, two actresses who also starred in it. And it lasted three seasons, um, but it was so special and funny and awesome. So it's it's always just a treat at work to get to work on those types of shows. That's great. Thank you for going into depth in that. It's really helpful for our listeners. Um, we're going to transition to, do you stay in contact with other ARIA alums, which you said you did? It's time for some I shout do. outs. Love it. Yes, I stay in contact with a lot of ARIA alums. John Carrion, who still works at, at NYU in global housing, he officiated my wedding. <laughs> so um, one of my- Wow, yeah, congrats. One, oh, thank you. Um, one of my very close friends, uh, Lindsay, 
Tadish, who is now Lindsay Howard, and I stay in very close touch. Mike Nappy, who is actually Mike Nappy and Kat Werner now, um, were both lived across and next to me at Weinstein, but we were also RAs together later. Kat Nappy was at um, uh, Hayden with me and Kat was at mm-hmm. alumni, um, still in close touch with them. Jody Dublin, who is actually, she was our grad, what is it, GHA, is that what it was called at the time, at Hayden. Um, We are still in touch. And of course, my supervisors, John Kozlowskis, Chris Stipik, who I know is still deep in the NYU world, um, and about to be a doctor, I think, EDD. He is. He he defends So amazing. And um, Katrina Lee was my other ACDE at Hayden. yeah and then pro staff again are also some of my very closest friends um therese grande and stacy ulrich and i are so super close stacy stacy is getting married soon and i am going to try my best to make it to her wedding when i'm like 34 weeks pregnant so that's how much i love her (laughs) thank you um so in close touch with Will McGrath, who like plays game nights with my husband now. They're like their own friendship circle. Um, David Jones and Nikisa, who were both my supervisors when I was in ACDE and RAGD, who are both awesome. Um, definitely want to shout out to them. Awesome. Thanks. It's time for speed round, and Kimberly's going to start you with the first question. Okay. All right. So, Joanna, what was your favorite tradition at NYU? Strawberry Fest. Best dining hall. Hayden, because I'm biased, although I think U-Haul, U-Haul is like a sleeper agent. Like U-Haul is secretly very good. (laughs) Favorite NYU professor? I'll say John Moran, who is not even my professor, but I love love them. Celebrity sightings while you were a student here? So many around Hayden. Um, I got, we got mail at Hayden and at uh, Founders for two different celebrities. We accidentally got Mary Louise Parker's mail mm-hmm. at Hayden um, because she lived very close by. And we accidentally got Katie Holmes's mail at Founders when wow. she was still married to Tom Cruise because they lived mm-hmm. like right behind us. Um, neither building would let us in to return the envelope. (laughs) Um, And there was one really bad snowstorm when I lived at Hayden. And I remember it was a Sunday morning and nobody was out. And I went out to get food or something. And me and Chris Noth from Sex in the City, Mr. Mm -hmm. Big, we were the only two people out on the street. (laughs) We just kind of (laughs) nodded at each other. Love it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. What is your favorite Broadway show? I will say I saw Rent about 14 times when I went to NYU. <laughs> I definitely went through a phase. Um, that yeah. was the time. That's yeah. the time, exactly. And finally, your most memorable RA experience. Um, I would say it was when maybe three or four of us uh, busted a party with like 25 people in it. It was kind of one of the bigger rooms in Hayden, so they had a lot of room. And they were trying to hide it, and we knocked on the door for so long that the door, the friction from the door started smoking. <laughs> it was very, I didn't know it could happen until it did. And they eventually came out and claimed they couldn't hear us knocking. Uh, so. No, this wasn't the Narnia room. <laughs> Was it? It might have been. Okay, okay, you remember that story. Okay. I do, I okay, do yeah. remember that. I'll tell Kimberly later. Um, yes. Well, 
yes, I can't wait for that story. <laughs> but yeah, so Joanna, thank you so much for spending time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the Dream School alumni version life. Joanna, what a true star you've been for NYU. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Good to hear your uh, great work as well. So continued success and congratulations on the upcoming child. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. You're going to be a great mom, no doubt. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. Thanks. True, true, true. Special thanks to my engineer, Duncan Lemieux, and the current professional staff and those who are alums, such as John Kozlowskis, Chris Stipik, and Katrina Lee, who helped these great alums develop skills while they were an RA here. If you like the show, look for more content on the RA website. And if you want to know RA's favorite books, I still read them, go to whatthey'rereading.blogspot.com. And finally, feel free to throw a tweet at me for a shout out. Until next time, continue to make your communities better by listening, learning, and giving back. 